0: Alright, I'm in a series now, as you guys know, we've been talking about our tribe, which is really about core values and about who we are, and I wanted to drive home again. How many of you figured out the core values are not just who we are here, they're who we are everywhere, amen? Like you don't, you're not just some way at church and then you're another way at work or you're another way at home. Am I speaking the truth? That's hypocritical. So, so like whoever you are here should be who you are everywhere. You know, I told the story when I first ran for office, my campaign manager quit. All right. And, uh, and I, I, I was like, what's up? And, and this is what he said to me. This was his complaint. Ron Johnson, the pastor, cannot be separated from Ron Johnson, the politician. I said, exactly. What do you think I am? Multiple personalities? I am who I am, That's take me or leave me, I'm this way in every arena, I'm this way at home, I'm this way at church, I'm this way out there, I'm this way everywhere, how about you, or do you have a mental illness? Well he quit and it went downhill from there, but anyway, I am doing what I'm doing, and you guys are here and I'm glad for that. But here's the point. As we're, I'm going to rehearse these things. And I just want you to say amen because some of you need to hear this, especially in light of what's been going on in our nation. Now, I wish I had all morning to, to talk about what's going on in our nation. Do we have an opinion? Yeah, I have an opinion, as you do too. Uh, and I want you to make sure we do a good job of staying connected on social media as long as that's available to Christian people to share their opinions um, with all the censorship that's happening right now in our country. But I want you to hear the message. We don't always have have time on Sunday morning but I I promise you this we will always address the issues from a biblical perspective and we'll always speak into the issues all right so here's uh, uh, core value number one bold faith how many of you know we're going to keep moving aggressively forward placing our confidence in the Lord because he's a really big God and he's faithful can I get an amen on that one now how about you are you going to live that way in 2021 in every arena of your life all right I'm just making sure I'm with the right tribe We're going to be pregnant with hope, which means we don't look and we don't get our cues from what's going on in the news media for sure uh, and from what's going on around us. We get our cues from the promises of God and the character of God, which means no one's going going to say, oh, please come to our church. We're all wringing our hands and we're depressed because things are so bad. No, that's not our church. We distribute hope, real hope, hope for this life. Hope for the next life. Are you with me? So we're hope dealers here. We always will be. It doesn't matter what's going on out there. We're going to be full of pregnant hope. We're also going to be full of daring love. Daring love that always believes the best. Daring love that loves even those who disagree with us. Daring love that rolls up our sleeves and we go out and we continue... To love a culture that sometimes is running the opposite direction from the heart of God. You know what I'm talking about? We're not going to be mean. We're not going to be nasty. We're not going to be uh, any of those things. We're going to love people. People that are different from us, people that, that hold values that sometimes are miles away from the values we're trying to live according to the scripture. So we're going to be full of daring love, which means we're going to keep loving sacrificially. And then Pastor Andrew does such a great job. Aren't you glad we're a part of a church where we're going to be challenged to grow? Like who you are this year at the beginning is not who you're going to be in December if the Lord tarries. Now some of you should say hallelujah, all right? Praise the Lord you're not going to be the same if you embrace your responsibility, which is to pursue the Lord. And then secondly, I mean, you know, God leads us to places of brokenness and places of dependence and places of reliance upon him so that in those places of brokenness, he rebuilds us and we're stronger than we ever were before. It's like break work going to the gym. That, that point Andrew brought out inspired me this year for working out at the gym Marion and I used to look at each other and say, hey, let's go get big. And she'd say, no, I'm going to go get little. And I'm like, oh, you get little. I'll get big. And um, and, uh, then we would go to the gym, and i think I'm getting big. I'm not getting big. I'm tearing my muscles apart. And I'm actually, every time I go to the gym, I I get weaker and more broken, only to allow God and his amazing wisdom and the way he created us to allow those muscles to reheal and to get bigger. Isn't that amazing how that works? So guess what God's going to do to us this year? break us down, make us dependent, not to harm us, to grow us so that we become the best version of us that we can possibly become. Which leads me to today, which is so perfect for the way, uh, and and I just got to tell you this, as your pastor, I get amazed at how the message that God has already lined up for this morning dovetails with history, like current history, I'm amazed so part of what's going to come out of my heart today is speaking into the context in which we all find ourselves if this message would have been six months ago it probably would come out differently but this message is today and I believe it's a now word for us in the body of Christ I'm going to talk about our next core value which is covenant relationships friendships that last forever now how many of you have figured out that in the local church we have family and we have friends but what we have, it's even deeper than that because we have family, uh, or, I'm sorry, friends that become family in Jesus Christ. How many of you can attest to the fact that there are some relationships with your church friends and, uh, and church family that are deeper than your blood relatives? And the reason that's the case is because we're here today. Under the mercy of God, under the blood of Jesus that He shed for us, that unites us on a common ground together with a covenant bond that's stronger than blood, natural blood. Which means our relationships here, and I want you to hear this, our relationships here in Christ are forever relationships. It's pretty awesome. They don't just last for a few years. They're not temporary. They're eternal. That puts them in a whole new context. And I believe that one of the marks of the church should be the quality of the relationships that we have that are modeled before a watching world. Because Jesus said this, people are going to know that we belong to Jesus by the quality and the love of the relationships that we have right here. Now, can I just put this into context, okay? This is serious, because we can all say, oh, yeah, I love, I love the Lord. And, and I, the basis of your salvation is not how well you treat your neighbor. We're not saying that. But I am saying this. The proof that you've been converted is demonstrated by how you love the people who are your brothers and sisters in Christ. So, Pastor, where would you get that from? Oh, I'm glad that you asked. John chapter 13. John chapter 13, Jesus is the gold standard of what covenant relationships look like. Look at what he says. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Here it is. Love each other. Now, what is the standard? What does that look like? Jesus gives the standard. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. I mean, you know, that is a huge standard. I mean, Jesus just raised the bar. I want you to feel the weight of this. Jesus' commandment to us, this is non-negotiable. Love the people right here, right around you, Jesus' lovers, love them with the same intense covenant love that I demonstrated in my love towards you. No biggie, Jesus, we got that, right? No, we don't, we should be saying, Lord, help, 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 help. But I mean, you know, Jesus isn't kidding. He didn't say, just kidding, after that, in the Greek. No, he says... I'm serious. In fact, look at what it says next. Your love for one another will prove. Everybody say prove. Will prove to the world you're my disciples. This is amazing. The quality of how we treat each other will be proof to a watching world that there's something different about us. He could have said a lot of things there. He could have said, your, you know, your theological acumen will show to the world how smart you are and they'll all be convinced that you're followers of me. That's not what he said. He said in very practical ways, how you love your brothers and sisters will prove that I have transformed your life. So check this out. We have a mandate every time we gather. I want, I want the weight of this to hit you. We have a mandate, a command to love one another in such a way that if somebody comes into this place that doesn't know Christ, they go, wow, this place is amazing. Where do I sign up? How do I join the club? But how many of you know that's not usually the testimony of the local church? That's usually not what they say about the way we treat one another. So I'm grateful that the Bible is so practical and gives us really... Um, uh, stuff what we can get our brains around, get our fingers into as it relates to relationships. Now, I want to give you very quickly five defining marks of covenant relationships, and this is what we're after here at Living Stones. Uh, and the first one, you're going to see how practical this gets, all right? And, and let me just say this before I get into point number one. I believe that if we love like Jesus, we're going to have lots of kingdom relationships that are awesome. How many of you know when you come to, to church and you get connected, you don't just have, you know, I know people that, they, you know, especially during this whole COVID thing, when people in some, in some you know, states where they've locked their populations away for six months, they're lonely. People are lonely. People are taking their lives. People are buying more pets than they ever have because they can't go out and be with humans, all right? That should not be the case of any follower of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but let me just tell you. I have so many great relationships, I can hardly count them. And it's not because I'm such a wonderful guy and everybody wants to be my friend. I mean, I hope that's my testimony. But I have lots of great relationships because you people are great and we're brothers and sisters in Christ and I have a lot of incredibly deep friendships in this place. Now, if you're new here, here's my promise to you. If you hang out and run with us, you will too. And listen, they won't just be great friendships, they'll be multi-generational friendships. They'll be multi-ethnic friendships because the cross has a way of tearing down all the dividing walls and bringing us together in relationships that are awesome. So, hey, come on. So let's get practical. I just painted this amazing picture. Let's get real. Point number one. If we're going to move in covenant relationships, then those relationships have to be grounded in grace and forgiveness. Let me get to one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's found in Philippians chapter 2, after Paul, of course, writing out of the prison, sharing some amazing truths with us, amazing theology. He gets to the chapter 4, last chapter, and look at what it says in verse 2. I appeal to you, Odea and Synthski. Please. Because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreements. It goes on in the next verse to tell us who these two ladies were. They were co-workers with Paul. We could just say they were on the evangelism team at their local church. They were sharing the gospel. And he also mentions their names are in the book. Their names are in the book. I mean, you know, These are full-fledged, Jesus-loving ladies. And just so you all know, we're not talking about gender situations here because I sure know there's lots of men that like rogue elephants collide into each other because of their pride and end up creating all kinds of messes in the local church as well. So I mean, you know, it's not just a lady issue here, although this happens to be the specific situation. These were two ladies. Now I want you to sit here, Paul. He says, first of all, please, this is a plea, please. Because that means this is a causative word because of the fact that you belong to Jesus, settle your disputes. In other words, please hear me because you're saved, broken relationships not acceptable, unforgiveness not acceptable, bitterness, resentment. Not acceptable. Why? Because your name is in the book. You belong to Jesus. You're co laborers in the gospel. The gold standard has been set. As I have loved you, Jesus said, love one another. And yet, how many of you know? We all gather here, you can't join the club unless you're first forgiven. How many of you have been forgiven in this room? Get them up high. I want to see. Now, how many of you know you have a responsibility to forgive everyone? And the first place you start, the first place you start is here with your family. Now, my dad used to be, well, not used to be, he was always bold and unconventional. And so we are having communion one Sunday. And he says, you know what? We're not playing church. If you got unforgiveness towards somebody in this room, I want you to get out of your seat right now, and I want you to go find that person, and I want you to go ask for forgiveness and get your heart right. Guess what? People started popping up everywhere. And guess who had the longest line in front of them? (laughs) I ain't kidding. That's serious. I said, please, hustle up. Share your heart, and you're going to have to move on. There's a lot of people behind you. No, but this is what was amazing to me. One person came up to me and said, you know, Pastor Ron, I've had unforgiveness towards you, you know, since 1937. It wasn't quite that long ago. I wasn't even born there. But anyway, all right. But, it, but let me just point, When I started doing the math, I realized that, first of all, when this person shared whatever it was, I had no recollection of that ever happening. Not that it didn't. I just had no recollection. And then what hit me was this person had been holding me in a cage and drinking poison himself for over a decade. What breaks my heart is we have a mandate to change a messed up broken world and if we walk in grace and in forgiveness, we're unstoppable. But if we let judgment and unforgiveness and resentment, and, and we hold grudges, and we let that stuff fester in our spirits, we are absolutely as weak as can be. We, here's what, we spend our, our time fighting one another at church while the world goes to hell. We fight in church. It should break our hearts. I, I'm telling you, resentment, unacceptable in this place, unacceptable. I've had people say, you know, Pastor Ron, will you please forgive me? Is everything all right? It looked like you were mad at me. Can I just tell you folks, this is my face. (laughs) Extend some grace. Sometimes I get intense. Sometimes I don't look happy. I'm working on it. But can I give you a promise? You never have to ask me, if I am upset with you, because here's, here's the truth, I will never, by the grace of God, get in this pulpit if I have anything in my heart towards any of you. Okay, I'm just telling you that. I am not going to be a hypocrite and try to preach out of that when my own heart is disobeying the commands of God. So can I just tell you this? This morning, I love all you all. I'm not mad at anybody. I might look mad sometimes. I'm not mad at you. Don't take it personal. I love you. If anything changes, I will let you know. Now let me just tell you something else. If you're mad at me, stop it. In Jesus' name, stop it and come talk to me and let's make sure before today is that our hearts are united. Because Listen, we are forever friends. If your name's in the same book my name's in, we better figure out how to love each other now so we don't have those awkward moments like at the sixth grade dance in heaven when we're all standing there. Are you kidding me? What's crazy is this lady, Euodia, her name in the Greek means a fair or prosperous journey. Her other sister here that she's fighting with, her name means an accident. (laughs) Now, how many of you know, watch what you name your kids, all right? So here we got a a fair and pleasant journey who's colliding with an accident. How many of you figured this out? On your journey in faith, you're not always going to agree on everything. So what? How many of you are married in this room? Your wife is not evil, men, because you disagree. She's different, and her difference is actually to help us. And my differences aren't because I'm demonized, it's because I'm a man and I see things differently. And can I remind you, there are people and situations in your life and in church life that you may never this side of eternity see the situation exactly the same. I've had to come to that conclusion. Here's the other thing I've had to come to, is usually when we run into situations like that, this is what's going on in our minds. I cannot believe how this person is so dense and they can't see it. Why can't you see the truth like me? <laughs> Humility says we might all be seeing through a glass darkly. So, the greater issue the Lord's working at is not conformity, but love and unity. Because when we learn to love like Jesus, we see amazing things happen. So let's be people who move in grace and forgiveness. Can you promise me to do that this year? We are going to extend grace to people who have hurt us. We're going to love one another. We're going to forgive. In fact, can I challenge you this? Before you leave church today, will you make a choice in your heart to forgive whoever that person is that's still in your mind right now and sucking all of the life and energy out of you? That's an act of your will, and I encourage you to do that today. Second point, all right? My goodness, I'm going to rip that clock off the back wall. We are... Ch- we are. Mm. All right, point number two. We are going to be crowned and crowning other people with honor. Look at what Romans 12 says. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. I love the Bible. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection, meaning it's from the heart, and take delight in honoring each other. This means there should be something in your heart that finds incredible pleasure when you release honor to somebody else in this room. Now, I just got to brag on our church. I love this because this is culture, all right? This is, this is real life culture. Sunday night, we had our week one uh, kickoff, all right? A lot of you were there. And I mentioned that in a couple of weeks, we're going to be laying hands on Jerry Harvey and, and, uh, and commissioning him and ordaining him. And this is what happened. This place went crazy. It was like we were at a sporting event. People started shouting and screaming. The next thing I know, everybody was on their feet doing this. Now, some people would say, wow, why are, how come they're standing up and cheering? What, that guy puts his pants on the same way I put my pants on. I've heard people say, you know, this church, we stand up and sit down more than at the Catholic church I came from. <laughs> all right? Now, I'm not picking on the Catholics, all right? I'm just giving the point. I've heard that people say that. What does that mean? Because we stand up and we honor people. Now, I'm going to give you a real-life story. I got invited to speak at a church in Michigan. I took four of my spiritual sons with me. I told them, we don't know what the church culture is. They're casual, dressed what, dressed up, whatever. So let's go in our coats and ties. Let's look best. Let's honor the culture. And, and hey, if we get there and they're all casual, we'll start undressing. All right? We'll take our coats off, <laughs> take our ties off. And, um, and, and so that's what happened. We walk in there. They introduce me. I've never been at this church before. I walk up to the podium. I turn around. The entire church is on their feet, clapping hysterically, cheering me on. And you know what? I felt humbled, obviously. I don't know. I'm honored. Thank you for inviting me. But here's what happened. Does In a man of God, does that cause arrogance and pride? Let me help you out. No. It feels very weird and awkward, and it actually causes humility. And here's what it does. It makes me want to hear the Lord better and preach better because there's an expectation. Those people, the word honor means to add value to somebody or something. Everybody you honor, you add value to them. Now listen, here's what I didn't realize. When they first introduced me, the pastor introduced me, I got up from the first row there. Nobody clapped, and nobody stood up. Except the four spiritual sons I brought who were from our culture. So imagine this. Hey, we're so glad to have Pastor Ron here. Please welcome him. <laughs> Except four men who love me. They stood up. Yeah, Pastor. And what happened was everybody responded to them. That's what created the atmosphere. How many of you know four? young men with honor in their hearts can teach a whole church about the spirit of honor. So here's what happened. Whether anybody honored me or not, I'm still the same person. I'm just Ron Johnson saved by grace. But here's what happened. They added value to me. You know what happened? I felt loved. And this is what was crazy. I kid you not. After the service, the guy that was sitting behind us, he started talking to me. He said, "Man, when you guys walked in all dressed up like that, I thought you were part of a singing group." I said, no, you definitely would not have wanted that to happen. That that would have been ugly. All right, but this is what he said. But he said, but when I saw those young men stand up and honor you, this is what he said, I knew you had something important to say. So can I just tell you something in this culture here? We're going to honor people. When you love well, we're going to honor you. I I was so proud yesterday of of our team as we had a funeral here of a wonderful sister that went home to be with the Lord. Some of our team who we've walked with for years got up here, testified, loved so well. I sat there, I was so proud. I watched our Celebrate Recovery worship team leading the worship. I watched how well the dinner was served. And listen to me, when you see excellence like that and you see people loving well, your responsibility is to release honor. It's to say, I value who you are. Because people that are valued come to life. People who are devalued die. Some of you in your relationship with your spouse if your words are always negative, you make your wife feel stupid. She can't do anything right. She can't. She never gets a compliment from you. She never feels honored or cherished. I'll tell you what you're doing. You're choking off the relationship. You're killing it because dishonor destroys relationships. But if you release honor and you say, I so appreciate you. You look so beautiful. I, so, I love the way you do that. I love the way you care for our kids. I love the little things that you do. I so value you. You know what happens to that person? They blossom because love has a way of causing people to become all that we were meant to be. And love is released through a spirit of honor. Honor people. Uh, this is what's protocol here. Somebody gets introduced to come up to the stage Stand to your feet and give them the biggest cheer you can possibly give them. Number one, you don't know how long they're going to be on this planet with you. Number two, you only got a short time to release honor and to bless people. Number three, help that person become the greatest version of themselves they can possibly be. And how about this? Number four, it will boomerang and honor comes back on you if you're an honorable person. Or you can be a little petty person. All right, quickly here, point number three. We are bonded together by a spirit of loyalty. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, verse 17, a true friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in a time of need. Uh, Proverbs 3.3, I just read this this morning. It's not on the PowerPoint, but I threw it in my sermon last minute because it's so good. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Bind, Bind them around your neck as a reminder. This is powerful. Imagine taking loyalty. Maybe it's like a necklace. We put it on our, around our neck to remind us that this is how we're to be. We're to, we're to love people. We're to be kind to people. And we're to demonstrate a spirit of loyalty. Now, let me just tell you. Loyalty should be flourishing in the local church. First of all, loyalty is something you cannot command. It has to be offered freely. Loyalty should be f- blossoming in local churches because here's why. We get attached in affection toward people who were there for us at our lowest point think in your own life when you were down and out when you were broken when you were hurting when you needed help when you were financially broke and somebody showed up and loved you and honored you and was loyal to you in your worst moment what happens in your heart It's like glue that binds us together. That's why the Bible says that it's in times of adversity, not in times of blessing, when you find out who your friends are. Now, can I just say this? We're living in a cancel culture today where I have been absolutely amazed in the political world how people will distance themselves from situations they deem are toxic, and so we do not want to have relationships that look like a tick on a dog. Everybody agree you don't want to be a tick. <laughs> Ticks are in it all for themselves. They're blood suckers. Soon as the dog dies, the tick finds somebody else to suck off of, all right? Let me just say this: When did Jesus love you and die for you? When you had it all together? When you were beautiful? When you were clean and spotless and smell good? No. When we were broken beyond repair, Jesus identified with you. Let me tell you what happens in churches. Somebody's sin gets exposed, and everybody starts moving to the other side of the sanctuary. Or how about this? I'm just giving you fair, fair notice. In case you haven't figured out, we're moving into a different season. I believe in the next year you're going to see more hatred toward christ and christians than you've ever seen in your life i'm not prophesying that like uh but i'm telling you watch it it's coming it's it's coming you are going to need to be a part more than ever of a covenant family that believes in you and i just want to tell you this i feel like we were made for such a time as this This is a time for bold faith. It's a time for pregnant hope. It's a time uh, for daring love. It's a time to be a voice, and I've told you before, we will be a voice, all right? We're not ever closing till Jesus comes. We're going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep speaking. We're going to keep hanging the plumb line, declaring truth, and then loving daringly. We're going to keep serving our community. Are you with me? And I'm just telling you, and when we're in the newspaper, and you're reading something that doesn't sound like Pastor Ron... It probably isn't pastor wrong. So love believes the best. Love does not believe the worst. And loyalty means when your church is taking it on the chin, like some churches are in California or in New York City. I mean, you know, if we're the church that stays open when all hell's breaking loose and they're saying, that's like you people, you know, blah, 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 you're killing everybody, blah, blah. You know, if that's being said about us, I'm just telling you, we're not closing. So, so you need to figure out, amen, you need to figure out where you're going to line up. Amen. Now listen. Everybody stay right where you are. Stay right where you are. Don't be seated. Don't be seated. Don't be seated. Stay up. Stay up. Stay up. I want you to just to look around. Because listen to me. There is strength when we stand together for, yeah. for, for something that matters. And you know what? It's so great. And I just want to say this is part of the culture that you're a part of. That's why you're here. I, I get it. That's why you're here. But it's easy to do this when they're not locking our doors, or we don't have police out, or we don't, we're not getting bad press, or whatever. It's easy to do this. It's hard when it all hits the fan. Yeah. But I'm just telling you, that's why I, I want to know who I'm fighting with early on, because I don't want to be surprised when it hits the fan. So thank you, guys, for your heart. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your values. I'm just telling you this year, for all of us, our values will be tested. Let me tell you what else. There's going to be many people in the body of Christ jumping ship this year. There, There will be a lot of people jumping ship. Don't be one of them. The way that you stay connected and the way that you stay strong is by doing what we're doing right now. We need each other more than ever. Together, we can be strong. We can love well. We can finish well. We can be loyal. We can demonstrate our loyalty. Um, and we can love and we can forgive. Apart, you're going to get eaten alive. But you will have to make a choice this year. You will have to figure out where you're going to stand. Or you can be seated. I only got six minutes. <laughs> six minutes. Let me move on. Point number four. We're going to have relationships that are guarded by integrity now we just launched a ministry called market share which i'm so excited about integrity says this if i'm if i'm in business and and i'll just say this i've heard this among uh especially businessmen i don't know if i should do business with larry because i don't want the relationship to go sour because we're brothers and if the relationship goes sour and we come to church on sunday i'm going to feel really awkward worshiping with larry so here's what i've heard christians say I'm just not going to do business with other Christians. How many of you know that's from the pit of hell? And the reason they say that, though, is because they've been burned. They've been burned. They're like, I can't trust Christians. You know those people with the fish on their bumper? Can't trust them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But this is what I believe. Integrity says, if I sign a contract with Larry, obviously we both agree to fulfill the terms of the contract. But let's just say something goes horribly wrong that's out of our control. And Larry's the one that's going to get really shafted by what took place that's out of his control. Do you know what a Christian brother does who's in covenant? He says, I'm not going to let Larry... I'm not going to let harm be done to him on the basis of even a written contract because he's my brother. Because, listen, integrity says you don't have to worry about me because not only are you looking out for your own good, I'm looking out for your own good. If you are in relationships that are full of integrity, you literally don't have to watch your back. Because the person you're in relationship with is watching your back. Or you can, the older I get, the more I realize when Jesus said, you can't worship me and money at the same time. Can I just tell you, I've been around Christian businessmen who say all kinds of nice things, but at the end of the day, it came down to money. And the reason they spoke ill of a brother, the reason that they left the church, the reason that they have unforgiveness and bitterness, when it comes right down to it, it's because it costs them money money. Can I just tell you, those kind of relationships are heart checks from heaven. Because a godly man will move in forgiveness and grace, and a godly man will make sure that the person you're doing business with is blessed. And when you operate that way, you have integrity. And when you have integrity, listen, you attract business. And most importantly, can you can I just say this? We need to be creating in the kingdom of God parallel economies. Because we're living in a cancel culture. If you believe the wrong thing, if you believe the Bible, if you don't agree with whatever the narrative is, you get attacked and canceled and fired. Amen. So can I just suggest what's going to happen? Is there's going to be lots of entrepreneurs. And how are you going to get off the ground? Because we're in a parallel universe here. We're going to be operating in covenant relationships with people. I see us doing business, kingdom business with one another out of integrity, watching the favor of God and the provision of God, listen to me, create wealth. So that when the world says, we're going to shut you down, we're like, sorry, we're connected way too well. We have a parallel economy and it's blessed supernaturally by God. Sorry, we're just going to prosper. (laughs) Amen. wouldn't it be great if this was a place where there was that kind of integrity in our relationships that we could operate together to be blessed because that's what unity produces that's what honor produces and listen we don't have a scarcity mindset where it's like oh my gosh if I bless so and so then there's going to be less pie for me that's the way the world thinks that's not the kingdom of God God, God makes more pie. God's always making more pie. And sometimes, we've had, we've had brothers, sisters in this room that uh, have done business with other Christians, and basically the person didn't have integrity, and they lost money. Can I just tell you too? When you take a loss for the glory of God and for the sake of unity, guess what you set yourself up for? Blessing. Somebody needs to hear this. When you eat the loss Because somebody didn't have integrity, and you release that person, and you choose to take your grievance to the Lord, and for the sake of the reputation of Jesus, you move forward, guess what you get? Blessed! Or you can hold that person by the throat and live in bitterness the rest of your life and say, I'm never doing business with Christians, blah, 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 blah. No, we're going to keep loving people to watch them become all that Christ meant them to be. Aren't you glad that the Bible's full of liars and thieves and cheats that Jesus encountered and they were no longer liars and thieves and cheats? Such, the Bible says, were some of us. Amen? Let me end with this. We're going to guard our relationships by integrity. Now, I'm, I'm editing like crazy. Edit, 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 edit. All right. Last point. Covenant relationships are fueled by Faithfulness. Can you listen to the word of God over us? Hebrews chapter 13. I will never fail you. Anybody excited about that verse? <laughs> I will never abandon you. Now remember the standard of our love for one another is the standard Jesus set. Well, what does Jesus say in Matthew 28? Be sure of this, he says, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Can I just tell you, That Some of the greatest relationships I have, the reason why they're great is because we went through the fire together. And when it was all hitting the fan and going to hell, they kept believing. They kept loving. They didn't abandon. They didn't fail. And can I tell you something else? I have seen relationships, 30-year relationships, get flushed down the toilet over some of the most petty, ridiculous things. And I used to feel really bad about it. I used to go self-examine. Oh, my gosh, why did this happen? Why did this happen here? What and here's the point. When you have an orphan heart, you will flush a relationship for position, for power, for esteem, for title, for being right, because you have an orphan heart and because you actually value yourself and your position and your being right more than you value people. And can I just tell you something? That's really sick. It's really sick to flush relationships down the toilet over things that don't matter at the end of the day. And I just want to challenge you, don't be one of those kinds of people. At the end of your life, you're going to be grateful that you work through and you walk through some difficult times. You know, there's marriages in this room that have been through difficult times some marriages that didn't sustain weren't sustained in the difficult times. But I know when you look at the couples that have been together for 50 years, 60 years, did they have perfect marriages? No. They made a choice in covenant that they were going to fight together. This takes two people, not just one. Takes two people. But when I made covenant with my wife, I said, "You know what? I am in this forever." And so when I see pictures my children gathered around me, and grandbaby is sitting on my lap. That is because I demonstrated faith in the day-to-day moments of our lives. So that after 35 years, 36 years, I can look back and say, God has been faithful to us. But I've been faithful to my wife, and my wife has been faithful to me. And now we look back at the legacy. But that legacy took 35 years to build. And here's my invitation to you. Here's my invitation. Hey, why don't we grow old together? Why don't we, in this place, grow old together and be able to look back at multiple generations of blessing and supernatural, the miraculous, the growth, the pictures, the the, the reminiscing, the people who started off this big and now they're this big and started off broken and now they're healed. And how about we grow old together? Because covenant relationships are marked by faithfulness. It doesn't mean we all stay at the same church all the time. God moves us around. But but here's the point. If you're being moved around, be moved around out of integrity and out of honor and out of blessing and out of grace and out of all these things we talked about so that you're always able to look at your brothers and sisters in the face with your head up and a clean conscience and know that you're looking at people whose relationships are eternal. And so they're valuable. And you don't always have to be right. And we don't have to always see things the same way. And we don't always have to understand how to navigate the circumstances alike. We can just agree to trust the Lord and to keep loving well. And how I many of you know at the end of the day, here's what I want to be found faithful in I want to be found faithful in my assignment. My assignment is not the same as the pastors down the street or whatever. I want to be faithful in my assignment. So I don't want you asking me, what do you think about this church or that church? It doesn't matter what I think about those people. I bless them, I bless all those people, I bless the pastors. I want to be faithful with our tribe doing what God's called us to do. Amen? And I want to make sure I love you well to the end. So will you help me? Give me grace. Because I'm going to fail you. Forgive me when I'm not as bright as I should be. Which means you'll probably have to practice that quite often. But it's for your benefit. You're going to become more like Jesus, all right? So you can thank me later for that. All right. But bottom line is, I'm committed to growing old together and then spending eternity together because that's what covenant relationships are. So here's the vision. We're going to love well. We're going to love long. We're going to love to the end. We're not going to quit. We're not going to give up. We're going to fight together. We're going to demonstrate loyalty. We're going to believe the best about each other. And we're going to continue to watch people flourish in this healthy environment where co- covenant relationships are manifested and where Jesus is glorified and where the world says, where can I sign up for that? So y'all ready for that? Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, what a great vision from your word. Now, Lord, help us to do it. Even as we leave here today, help us to love really, really well. Fill us with hope. Fill us with joy. Help us to think about the people in our lives right now, life group leaders and and people that lead various ministries and and, and people that are serving in the parking lot and at the doors greeting us, people just loving everywhere around this place. Thank you for every life you surrounded us with. Help us to love well and help us to bring you glory. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, don't forget all the sign-ups out there. If you need prayer, come on down, all right? We love you. Have an amazing day.